Scripture passage for today is found in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, reading verses 7 through 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We confess this morning that we are your sheep, that you are our good shepherd, and that you are the door. We come and we are needy and we need to hear your voice. And so we ask that you will speak for your servants are listening. Amen. Over the weeks of Advent and Christmas, we plan to slow our pace, leaving behind Paul's extended argument in Romans that has captured us for months. And we're going to do so to reflect on Jesus, considering his identity and his claims, and we'll do so particularly from the Gospel of John. In this, we will encounter Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus, we're not simply talking about a historical Jesus or a literary Jesus, but rather we profess that this is the living Jesus, who from God's right hand today, from his heavenly throne, from his rule over all the nations of the, of the earth, confronts us and encounters us and challenges us. And he focuses upon the single issue, the single issue that we find here in the Gospel of John, and the single issue that Jesus today, by the Spirit of God, continues to press us with. The single issue is how we respond to him. See, because he leaves us no room for this comfortable in-between. He doesn't allow us to limp between opinions about him, Rather, he presses us, he demands our attention, and he challenges us to deal with him. In John's gospel, there is light and there is darkness. There's life and there's death. There's a gate and there is a fence. There's a shepherd and there are thieves. And this all indicates that the issues are ultimate that they are pressing, and that our options are limited. There's only a yes and a no. This is the Gospel of John's stark way of putting it to us. It's the way that our Lord Jesus presses us. But it is exactly this binary way of thinking, light and darkness, yes and no, that challenges us. After all, we live in the 21st century. And our world is full of choices and options. Perhaps some of you traveled over the holiday week, and no doubt you took a GPS or a phone or entered it into your car, you put an address in, and it plotted a course for you. Inevitably, it would have plotted several courses for you, taking in such factors as traffic or even weather, giving you different ways to arrive at your destination. You got to evaluate those different routes and choose the best way that you wanted to go. You had options. You had choices. 
There's not one way to any destination, but there are many. You even have multiple services that you could choose from. In choosing that route, you could go with Google Maps, or you could go with Waze, or you could go with MapQuest. You have choices and you have options proliferating. Our world is full of all of these options. There are very few limits that confine us anywhere. And our culture, especially when it comes to this binary type of thinking, this yes and this no, gets especially allergic when it comes to the subject of religion. We live in a world where everything is possible and nothing is necessary. Everything is possible. It's possible to be this or that. We get to shape the clay the way that we want to. And there's nothing that is necessary from the outside. And it is into that world, into that world of open possibility with no necessity that Jesus speaks today. It's a world not really that different from his own world. And he speaks in ways that challenge us to our core that we must deal with him because he speaks in definitive, uncomfortable, binary, pressing, demanding, confrontational ways in order to wake us up to the reality of who he is and what he does. And this particularly happens in John's Gospels through a series of statements Statements, no doubt, that if you've been around the Bible, you have heard. They are called the I am statements. And there are actually two sets of seven statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am. The first set, Jesus simply says, I am. And he's picking up the language from Exodus 3 where God reveals himself to Moses and says, I am who I am. I am the living God who is and, and was and is and will be. This is who I am. This is my name. And Jesus picks up that language, disclosing that he is the true God. And he makes the true God known in all of his works and all of his ways. But then there's a second set of seven where Jesus once again uses the formula, I am. And then he adds a metaphor to it. He says that he is the bread of life. He says that he is the light of the world. He says that he is the door of the sheep. He says that he is the good shepherd. He says that he is the resurrection and the life. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the true vine. And so Jesus uses the I am formula, but then he tags the metaphor to reveal something further to us, something of his mission and his purpose, of his works in the world. And so over these weeks of Advent and stretching into Christmas, we'll look at each of these statements to reflect on and consider what exactly it means and who Jesus is and what we have to do with that. And today we come to John chapter 10 to deal with one of these statements in verse 7, where Jesus says, I am the door, or you could say gate of the sheep. It's a simple metaphor, really, but one laden, pregnant with meaning. And so what do we see here 
in this metaphor. As Jesus pronounces to us his identity and his mission, what do we learn? And there's three things about the door that direct us to Jesus. First, it is an intersection. Secondly, it's a barrier. And third, it's a passage. And so let's look at each of these in order. First, we see that the door is an intersection. Jesus begins by saying, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. It's unadorned, it's bald, it's confrontational. Jesus explains that he is the path and the gate of the sheep. Now, as a kid, I read with great delight C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia series. Perhaps you took it down as well. My children, as quick as they were literate, wanted to read Lewis's Narnia series. Lewis captured my imagination, particularly by connecting two different worlds through a wardrobe. They were both real worlds that intersected in this one common place. It was through the wardrobe that one exited one world and entered into another. And so enter the doors of the wardrobe and the children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, Lucy. They were taken out of that world and translated into another. The doors of the wardrobe were the intersection between these two worlds. And when Jesus says that he's the door of the sheep, he is pointing to this reality that he is the intersection between the two worlds of heaven and earth. Traffic between those two worlds flows in and on and through him. Jesus brings those two worlds together by entering into space and time, becoming one of us. And in John's gospel, he brings this out in several different ways. One here in the metaphor that Jesus is the door, but in a similar way in the very first chapter in verse 51. It's there that Jesus meets Nathanael, and he says these words to Nathanael. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's a strange illusion, and many people have been confused by it. What does Jesus mean that you will see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man? And we have to remember that Jesus was a rabbi steeped in the scriptures, and this is a thick scriptural allusion to Genesis chapter 28, where Jacob, on the way traveling to meet Laban, he then spends the night and he puts his head upon a rock. And it was there upon that rock that he had a dream. And this is what Genesis 28 verse 12 tells us. There was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And then after the dream, Jacob wakes up and he makes this exclamation. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, Bethel. And this is the gate of heaven. And the ladder, or most likely a series of steps that looks something like an ancient Near Eastern temple, was there connecting heaven and earth. 
The angels were rising up and down from it. It was the intersecting point. And friends, this is what Jesus is claiming in John 1, that he is the ladder, he is the point of intersection, that the angels traffic on him. It is by him that communication is had between heaven and earth. He is that intersection. He connects the worlds of heaven and earth, revealing the true God to us. And this is what it means for Jesus to be the door, the connection between two separate worlds, that he is the one where that meets. And as the door of the sheep, he's the intersection between those two worlds and his claims are unique. You see, because he doesn't come saying that he's the door who just simply offers good advice. And he doesn't come saying that he's the door who's going to teach you just good spiritual practices and techniques about how you can be a spiritual person. And he doesn't come saying that he's the door to help you on the path of self-discovery and wholeness. This isn't what Jesus does as he comes into the world, proclaiming that he's the door. No, he comes to reveal God to us. As John says in the prologue, that Jesus comes to make the true God known, that he's the door and that he is the intersection between heaven and earth, and he discloses God to us in his person, in all of his works, in all of his ways. He comes to tell us how we can have communion with this God once again. And so the door is this unique intersection of heaven and earth. But second, as we consider that door and its functions, we also recognize that a door is a barrier. If you follow with me in verse 8, Jesus says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Into verse 9, once again, I am the door. It's important to place this conversation in chapter 10 in context. It comes on the heels of Jesus healing a blind man in chapter 9. And it is that same crowd and that same controversy that was caused by that healing that inspires this conversation. You see, the Pharisees, they were prominent conservative reform movement in Israel. They were the ones trying to take Scripture seriously against who they perceived to be theological liberals. They wanted to see Israel great again. They wanted it to be renewed. And they, these religious authorities and all their power, were opposed to this healing miracle. And they questioned and badgered the man who had been blind, who was now seeing. And they continued to ask him, who did this? And what do you think about him? And he gives the epic answer, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. But the controversy continued. They threw him out of the synagogue. But what the religious throw out, Jesus takes in. Jesus takes in this blind man who had been healed, who had learned to look to him, to entrust himself to him. Because at the core of what was happening in throwing out the blind man, there was a fundamental rejection of the grace of God going on by these religious authorities. 
And of course, they were the last ones to see it. At the end of chapter 9 and verse 40, they say, are we too blind? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yes. That Jesus was deeply concerned for the religious authorities. Jesus was deeply concerned for those who knew the Bible and its traditions. That he was deeply concerned because he knows how subtle it is and how easy it is to misuse that word and to miss the, tr- the forest for the trees that they were lost. And so Jesus explains in verse 8 that all who came before him are thieves and robbers. It's easy to misunderstand what he's saying here. Some would say that you understand before him by saying anyone who came and taught before him were thieves and robbers. And that's not the case. Jesus affirms all that Moses teaches. He affirms all that the prophets taught. He's not saying that anyone in time who came before him is a thief and a robber. But rather, the the preposition before is pointing to all those who come before the gate, all those who come to evaluate the gate and refuse to stoop beneath the gate and to enter into the sheep pen by the gate, that these are the thieves and the robbers. From the broader context of the passage, we know that there are those who refuse to enter in by the gate and yet who desire to be shepherd of the sheep, to be leaders amongst God's people. And so they sneak in by another way. In verse 1, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. And this is the reality. There are false shepherds that troubled the church. It happened then and there, it's happened through time, and it happens here and now. Through the passage, Jesus uses strong language. He refers to thieves, he refers to robbers, he refers to strangers, he refers to hired hands. In some, there are those who enter the fold of the sheep, and they do so by stealth. And their stealthiness is that they refuse to come in by the gate. And Jesus wants to understand this threat. And he wants us to know that he is there. He is the gate. He is the door. And that door serves as your protection. That door serves as your defense. That door exists to serve you. And so if a pastor... If a leader, if a Sunday school teacher does not come through the gate, that is through Jesus, that that pastor, that leader, that teacher will bring destruction. And there have always been in the history of the church false shepherds who have enthusiasms, true spiritual fervor, and they have causes, that is agendas to serve the kingdom of God. But those enthusiasms and those causes are other and they are more important than the person of Jesus himself. And friends, this is the mark of the false shepherd. Other interests draw them in alternate, oftentimes biblical directions, things that the Bible might support. But what happens is Christ is not the beginning and he's not the boundary of what they preach. 
that Jesus is not the center and he's not the circumference of what they preach. That of all that they plan and all that they proclaim, that Jesus doesn't rely, doesn't lie there at the center of all that they do. And so their ministry, no matter how biblically oriented, as we even see with the Pharisees, is that they point away from the gate and they proclaim another way in to the pen. It is subtle, it's easy. We construct rules and norms that go beyond the scripture. We go past what scripture says. We require these things of people so that they belong. We become focused and preoccupied with plans and programs and political agendas. And friends, these things can displace Jesus. They squeeze out Jesus. He is decentered, and other things become more important to us. But Jesus' point is that the shepherd, the pastor, the leader, the teacher in a congregation has to enter through the door. And the door is none other than Jesus. And so the shepherd. The pastor, the leader, the teacher directs people to Jesus because they know what it is to enter that way. He knows the door, and so he's a witness to the door. He proclaims only the door because he knows that access and egress only happens there. He stands captivated by the door and directs others only there. Augustine captures this beautifully. And he explains that the good shepherd will always point people to the door because the one who refuses to humble himself, who will not stoop to enter the gate, will only exalt himself once inside the fold. And friends, this is the reality that Jesus saying that he is the door, that he is the gate, it protects you. Because you know inside of any leadership, inside of any church, as soon as it begins to point away from Jesus, when other things become more important, when other things become more significant, no matter even how biblical it may be, when it detracts from Jesus, then there's thievery and there's robbery taking place in the pen. Jesus is the gate that defends the church. And finally, in Jesus' pronouncement, that he's the door. We also learn that he is a passage, that is a passage way. In verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In Jesus's world, the work of a shepherd was well known. It was common industry, especially for the people in the countryside. And the role of the shepherd to nurture the flock was received. The role of the shepherd to defend the flock was common knowledge. The courtyard of the shepherd at his home was the sheep pen. But when out to pasture, when away from home, it was common for the shepherd to construct a ring, sometimes using the tents of his company. And then using other things and implements to build the ring. And then there was one gate. And what was typical was for the shepherd to sleep at the gate. 
And so when Jesus says that he is the door to the sheep, when he proclaims himself to be the gate, he's also proclaiming himself to be the shepherd. And it is the shepherd who lays down his life there at the gate to defend the sheep so that the sheep remain his own, so that the sheep are welcomed in, so that the sheep belong to him, that the shepherd is the door. And friends, the shepherd has laid down his life so that we have access and egress, so that we go out to green pasture, and so that we return home, so that we be called God's own, because the shepherd has given blood, blood that you and I owed, owed for our own sins and our own faults and our own failures. All those things in that mass of many things stacked up against us and counted against us as debts. The shepherd comes to remove those and that we have access to the sheep pen, to the flock and the family and the fold of God because of the shepherd, because of the door. He welcomes us in that Jesus is the passageway. And what Jesus says is very blunt and plain. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture. And friends, this is that binary exclusive language that can make us so uncomfortable. But Jesus is saying that he is the one way And he is revealing the one way, the exclusive way, the unique way that unites heaven and earth and makes it possible for us to once again come into communion with God. And he doesn't do so simply to be arrogant or better. He comes proclaiming this way in him because of the problem of human sin and that there is one way to heal that fracture. And that is that the blood of righteous sacrifice be made on your behalf and on my behalf. And so this door, coming through the door, coming through the shepherd, is the passageway in. And so Jesus speaks to us in these binary terms. He uses metaphors to communicate with us that he is the door of the sheep that he makes us those sheep, that he brings us into the flock. And so enter through him. Be believing, be trusting yourself to him. He is the intersection of heaven and earth, the unique revelation of God. He is the barrier that protects. And so listen only to his voice. And he is the passage. He is the way back to God. This is the church's one foundation. This is our strong trust that Jesus is the door of the sheep. Enter through him. Let's pray. We confess these simple truths this morning that you, our Lord Jesus, are the door and that we enter and find life in you. And so convince us that you are the intersection of heaven and earth, and may we receive all the magnitude of that claim. Draw us into what it means to be defended by you and protected, because you are the door, the barrier that keeps out the thief. And convince us that you are the passage, that in you 
and you alone. Because of you interceding for us on the cross, we have safe passage from our sins to enter into the flock and the family of God. Write these truths upon our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.